and I've probably trained over 100 MBA guys and more than 15 MBA all-stars. And then a few years ago, I get a call saying, hey, Idan, can you turn one of our actors into Magic Johnson? And I laugh thinking there's 400 guys in the NBA who can't be Magic Johnson. And I say, what's my time limit? They say, how about a week? Edon Ravin never wanted to be a lawyer, so he became the Hoops Whisperer. Some of the greatest players in NBA history have sought out his expertise and unorthodox and unrelenting training sessions to bring out the greatest versions of themselves. More recently, the producers of HBO's Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, sought Ravin out to turn actors into Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or at least very good, very believable replicas of them. So Gaming Today speaks with Ravin about the process. We hope you enjoy. I understand you were uh, described as handpicked uh, for this uh, this gig by, by Adam McKay. Just yeah. you know, if you can't tell me about the the relationship, obviously your work speaks for itself. But how that relationship was formed and how you uh, landed this. So um, by way of background, I've probably trained over 100 MBA guys and more than 15 MBA all stars. And then a few years ago, I get a call saying, "Hey, Idan, can you?" turn one of our actors into Magic Johnson. And I laugh thinking there's 400 guys in the NBA who can't be Magic Johnson. And I say, what's my time limit? They say, how about a week? And I laughed again, right? And I was like, this is something that takes a lifetime, right? So they're like, just come to LA, check under the hood, see what you, you, know, see what you think. So I flew to LA and I met with Quincy and I just had to quickly do like an analysis. So Quincy's background as he's a former college football player, he's a lineman. So there's a certain like size that he has and thickness. And um, so I remember just talking with Adam, trying to figure out, okay, what, what does this process entail? And I said, it's sort of a three-prong like uh, process. So the first phase is that when you play college football, especially in the lineman position, it's a different level of athleticism that you need versus playing a point guard position in the NBA. You think about it, like NFL lineman's confined to like a five-yard space, right? And it's very volatile and it's very aggressive and it's very physical. You're looking at Magic Johnson. Now you're at 94 by 50, right? You got to use a whole court. The ball's in your hand. You have to be very eloquent, elegant and very nimble and very light. So the first phase was turning Quincy into more of a basketball athlete in terms of speed and agility and vertical and linear and all that stuff. Then the second phase is turning Quincy into much more an elevated basketball player. So all the technical skills that you have to have. Um, the reason it's so important is that in my experience on these shoots, is the real, real like rocket science is the idea when a director wants you to improvise. So imagine watching a Bruce Lee movie and your actor can only do one kata. It would suck, right? Because the director might be like, I want six roundhouse kicks and a flying dragon kick, blah, blah, blah. The actor couldn't do it. He'd only mastered one of the katas. So the same thing I realized in this situation is that Quincy had to be a very evolved basketball player in case there was a moment where he had to improvise that he could do it, right? So then once we evolved him as a basketball player, then the next phase was turning him to a silhouette, which is really, really tough because, you know, it's one thing to play John Smith. It's another thing to play one of the greatest basketball players in history. Like everybody knows Magic Johnson. So you can imagine the pressure. So it was the smallest thing from learning how to master sort of like how dramatic the pass is from his fingers, how he extend his fingers, where the, like, where the release point is on his jump shot, how he runs, how he smiles, how he like looks away, how... It's just literally creating a Picasso from this basketball player so that it always sells on camera. At the same time, it has to be functional, right? So you can make the beautiful pass, but it has to go somewhere. So Quincy had a tremendous amount of responsibility, sort of juggling the basketball player, juggling the actor, and then juggling the acting. 
And that's what made this and really, I give these actors a lot of credit. It was really tough. I remember talking to Quincy uh, before season one came out and he was a Michigan yeah. guy and, and yeah. idolized magic as a Michigan guy would do. Did you find that he had any uh, preconceived notions or memory of magic where the childhood brain of his thought magic did this and you had to show him film or, or what have you and say, no, 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 it's actually this. So it's interesting. Like the one thing we tried not to do is like, I would let them watch whatever film they wanted and I would watch it, but we never would sit down really and watch a lot of film together. The reason is, is that like what they process and what I process could be different. So ultimately like I had to sort of be the arbiter on what was right and what was wrong. So what we did a lot was, is that like we would, it was like almost like, like working with clay like you would maneuver an arm, you would maneuver a leg, you would put a place in a situation, see like, this is where it has to be from. And it was awkward for sure, right? Because this is, one, it's not how you're used to playing, and then you have to master something that's really awkward. And I would say the more awkward, the better, um, because that, that's when I know it's working. So in terms of like Quincy's preconceived notion of magic, no, he really didn't, really didn't get into it. And he was such a good learner and was so like excited to learn. I think it was just about whatever notion you have, you just throw it away because now you're trying to literally become this character, mm -hmm. right? So it's whatever you think you might know of him, just you want to be the best version of magic that you can be, not the best version of magic that magic can be. Yeah, you led perfectly into a question. Uh, one of my questions is, it you know, how difficult is it? What is the difference between training? I mean, you obviously have had a, a long list of NBA, WNBA clients yeah. speak for themselves. What's the difference between training them to be the best version of what they are and what their skill set could be right. as opposed to taking an actor and making them what everyone knows is one of the greatest players of all time? That's a great question. Them. So it's a great question. I think it always falls under the same level of performance, right? So my responsibility as a performance coach in sports is that like, it's just elevate the performance, but the metrics are different. So, you know, when you're working with an NBA all-star, right, the metric is, you know, is that ball going into the basket? Like how quickly you get into the rim? It's different metrics. Like when you're working with an actor, the metrics are, does this sell on camera? Is this authentic? Are you executing the choreography? Is it believable? Is it pop on camera? Are you delivering on the emotional beats of the story? So the, the rubric is still performance. It just falls into different lanes, right? But, but the intensity is still very high. The physical demands, incredibly high, right? Like I know like workouts are very, very, very tough because there's also a fitness component related to this as well, because they also have to get into the shape that's necessary to fit the role. So there is the fitness component, there is the acting component, and then there's the cinematic component. Um, you know, when you work with an athlete, they're already there in certain respects, right? Like it's more becoming very refined. Here you're looking more at trying to take the clay and put it into what you need, right? Like they are already the clay. But again, it's still the similarity is performance. Mm -hmm. Did you find that that the actors wanted to go through close or the or the the level of intensity that you perform with real basketball players, or did, was there an understanding that you're going to notch it down because that's half of the job? Yeah. So did I have to ratchet it down a little bit? Of course, of course. But I'd always say to them, you got to roll in the sand if you want to play a Navy SEAL. 
There's no negotiation. It's the only way that I truly believe when I see your face on camera that you understand this experience. So unless you struggle, unless you cry, unless you fall on your face, unless you are grabbing at your shorts, unless you're exhausted, unless you can't move, it doesn't feel it won't sell on camera. Because at the end of the day, every NBA guy, every Navy SEAL, have all, they have all rolled in the sand. So I had to make it so an experience that subconsciously you understood the struggle because every NBA guy has gone through the struggle. You mentioned um, Quincy uh, and that he was a football player and the challenges of that. What about with, with Solomon Hughes? Because he did, did play high level basketball. I mean, did right. he have any things that you had to break down to build back up again to get to this iconic legendary fantastic, player? Fantastic, fantastic question. So the thing with Solomon, which made it tricky is Solomon was a successful college basketball player and he's a skilled guy. But Solomon relies on proper intuition to play Solomon at Cal. All of a sudden now you have to kind of really recalibrate what it means to be Kareem. So in today's game, you play fast because fast gives you the competitive advantage, advantage and fast gets the ball to the rim. When you're Kareem now, all of a sudden you have to learn how to play slow. And you have to play slow at the same time learning how to generate upward force and power, which is completely counterintuitive. Because if I said to you, play powerful, you'd imagine playing fast. Now you have to generate power upward on that sky hook by playing slow. So it was very hard to learn how to sort of recalibrate what your instincts are because he has very good instincts for basketball, but it's a little bit different when you have to play this character. The idea of like extending your shoulder very high and driving your hip in the air and slowing down your pace and like all the things that like that Kareem would do, these sort of idiosyncratic like, like scanning of the court. You don't have that kind of pacing when you play high-level division college basketball because everything is pop, 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 pop. So it was like kind of showing him that take a step back, like kind of turn off your intuition a little bit, learn this new character, and then he got it. But he's so smart. He's so thoughtful. He picked it up pretty quick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would imagine that each of the actors knowing what they were getting into by taking these roles knew that they had to be in shape coming in was there ever any moment there when uh, you're alone with them or in a group with them however you did it in the gym where you see the look like oh my goodness what have I gotten into I'm gonna every day every, every, every day, day. <laughs> because I think that I think I always say what you think you know is very different until you know it right and so no different than an NBA guy I never worked with they'd say oh I already work with someone I'm, my feeling is that but you never worked with me so until you're actually in the room, you actually have to do the work and you have to actually be mentally present and physically present, is it hard to sort of understand what all this entails? And oftentimes, like we would have some of the executive producers stop by and even one time on the directors so they could see like how intense this process was. And I think when they did that, you'd see even the effort level and the actors even, you know, go up another hundred percent because it was like they were so proud of their effort. They wanted to show these executive producers how hard they were working. Do you get the idea that that the actors, uh, I mean, they'll move on to other roles, but maybe they fancy, fancy themselves basketball players. Maybe one day at the YMCA, they think they're going to be able to, uh, you know, school somebody in a pickup. You know, it's interesting you said that. I think, yes, but I also think that they learned that, that this is a really, really long process. So, you know, you might be able to, for 15 seconds, be Michael Cooper. It's another thing for the next 35 minutes of a pickup game to be effective, right? And I think it gave him a new appreciation for how hard the game of basketball is, especially at the NBA level. So I would bring in, you know, our Dr. J, um, he's incredible. Like I, like I looked high and low for this guy, right? And 
there's lots of guys who jump really high. There's very guys who very few guys who float. And when they saw that in person, I think they were like, oh man, like now I understand what being a jumper is. Cause I see jump rolls all day long. Right. But for them to be like, this guy not only has a 40 inch vertical leap, he also can float 16 feet in the air when he does it. So I think they learned that there's a lot more to this than I guess when you just see it on television. Yeah. Well, this show's about competition. So let's, let's make it one that uh, I, I, it's probably unfair with Solomon because he did play high level basketball, but sort of sort of rank the athletes, you know, on, on the show for me. And if you could give me you know, a little anecdote or just something interesting about each of uh, each of the guys and, you know, when you thought they, they were getting it, when they made yeah. that transformation or just something interesting. So Delonte D'Souza, who plays Michael Cooper, is a really good athlete, but didn't realize it till later on. Mm-hmm. right because you're you know you're not used to it but then all of a sudden you'd give him like physical drills and like as he learned the mechanics and learned how to move it was almost surprising him it's like he got the like he finally learned how to drive his ferrari he didn't know he even had one right uh devon nixon is an is outrageously athletic he probably i mean the guy's 40 years old and i wouldn't be surprised if he runs a four 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 five forty. I mean, the kid could have played many, many different sports. I bet he would have been a great soccer player, tennis player, baseball player. He just comes from really good genes and he's really gifted. Uh, he's, I think he's even a black belt in karate or taekwondo. Um, it's just things you just didn't know until you got to spend more time with them. Um, uh, Jamel, who plays our Jamal Wilkes, is an incredibly devoted guy. He was a wide receiver in college, he played college football. He was a wide receiver. So he moves really, really well for a football player. But then all of a sudden, when you put a basketball in his hands, it's foreign to him, right? So it was like the idea of like teaching him that the football, running with the football is no different than dribbling with a basketball. And then eventually, like it started kicking in and he was like, oh my God, this is so fun. We even play like, we play touch football sometimes at the end of practice because so many of the guys were football players. It just was a fun exercise for them. Uh, Quincy, to a lot of people's surprise, has unbelievable feet. Like I, Quincy, I think Quincy should not have been a lineman. He should have been a running back. Like we would do lots of agility drills and chair drills, and he would literally weave through it like it was second nature. People just see his size and they're thinking he was a lineman going, oh, you're slow. You're not this. You're not that. But he's got great, great feet. If you want to tell me he wanted to be a boxer one day, I'd say, I think you can do it. Um, Sean Small, Larry Bird. Uh, have you had the chance to see season two? Like some of the episodes, I, started, I watched a little bit of an unbelievable Larry Bird. It took us a year and a half to get that shot. The mechanics, the pivot, the pelvis rotations, where the feet are, the way you like uh, take a step back jump shot, the way you look away pass. Like there's essentially he has a menu of like 20 Larry Bird items that he's mastered in order to be able to turn to this whenever he needs it. Sean's awesome. Um, I mean, I think those are pretty much like, uh, you know, the meat and potatoes of the show. Um, but like all of them, I think, uh, in time, there was just, I think in different moments that each one sort of was like, oh, I can do this. I can become this character. Your background fascinates me. Let's, let's turn to you. Um, just, you know, law degree, university of Maryland law degree, that must've been one heck of a youth basketball team that you were coaching in San Diego. I know Steve Francis from Maryland was sort of the arc there, but if you could fill in just some more of those gaps, that's fascinating how you went from A to B there. Um, the thing is that A to B was a very long A to B, you know, it wasn't like linear. It was like, I took many, many steps to get to B, 
So I was practicing. So back when I was a very, very talented athlete, very talented basketball player, but I really wasn't permitted to pursue it because I grew up in a religious home. So when you grow up like me, there's not many things that you can do. You can become a rabbi, a cantor, an accountant, a teacher, a lawyer, or a doctor. Those are kind of the, that's what a good Jewish boy does when you grow up like I do. So I ended up becoming a lawyer, um, but I was miserable and I just hated every second of it. And I thought, oh my God, did I just ruin my life? And I didn't know where to turn. So uh, one day I was leaving a rec center and I saw an ad for a boys basketball coach for a 12-year-old boys basketball team. And I just volunteered just so it could get me out of the office a couple of days a week, not knowing that that would be, change the trajectory of my life. And I just started volunteering with these kids. And I had no formal coaching or training background. I grew up a religious Jewish kid. I mean, I was... I was making stuff up as I as I went along, and I just gave these kids drills that I had created for myself. And for some reason, it connected. And those young kids led me to bigger kids, taller kids, faster kids, stronger kids. And then eventually, you know, one day I'm in the gym with these NBA guys. So I always tell people that I was a zero star chef when I started, but I had a really good palate and I had a really good sense of taste and a good intuition. I just didn't know. I just didn't know what to do with it, right? But over time, no different than being a writer. Like you know, you have good creative ideas, but when you get your MFA from Columbia or you do it a long time, you learn how to put things together, right? Same thing with this. So the more time I spent with it, the more sophisticated it got, the more, the more I did it, the more I didn't have to, I never looked over my shoulder. I could create my own magic and methodology. And so I'm very proud to say that in all the years I've done this, I've never had a mentor. I've never gone to a clinic. I've never looked over my shoulder. I've never looked for, I've never looked to other coaches for feedback or it's like everything that kind of was on my own brain. I just used it and went through it full throttle. And so, you know, over the years, just was kind of word of mouth quietly because, you know, basketball players are like, you know, they're like, they're not, they're not interested in always sharing their secret weapon. Right. I always compare it to when you find a really good nanny, you're not telling other people in the neighborhood about the nanny. <laughs> right. So players were like, I know I've had my fingerprints on a lot of all-star careers, but they were always very reluctant to share because they didn't want to give away the nanny. So just kind of over time, like I would connect the dots and meet new people. And um, yeah, it was something I love to do. But the last three years, I've had to pare a lot of it down because this has been such a commitment on my time. And But it's been really fun, really like new and stuff I'd love to do more of. That was Edan Ravin. Thanks for listening. Check out the link in the description for the story.